beautiful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A. This is the program where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible, and where we look at the word religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I am Nikrita, your host. Thank you for tuning in today. Please stay with us for this hour as uh, we have something special uh, uh, during this program and uh, you'll find out in a moment. But it's just good to have you with us. And you know, from the beginning, I would like you to know this, that uh, you can be part of the program. You know, by now, those people who are listening uh, regularly, that you can uh, come along with us. Send us a text message to 04-888-8081. You may share a thought, maybe you have a question, or you may like us to pray for uh, you or for somebody who you like to uplift uh, in prayer. Don't be shy. Uh, Please be part of the program with us uh, today. Look, I'm very excited here to say hello to Robbie Burgum, and it's good to have you with us, Robbie. Good day, Nick. Good to be back in, in South Australia. Well, look, when uh, we have you here in the studio, we're always thinking, oh, we have the boss here with us. Uh, <laughs> how do we behave? And it's good to have you, Robbie, with us. Now, you are uh, the national content manager for uh, Fate FM. Right. Are you? What that involves. I am. I am. So we have a number of studios around Australia for Faith FM, um, one being here in Adelaide, where we are live right across Australia right now. And uh, other, basically all the capital cities, we have a studio for Faith FM. And so my role is just to coordinate those studios and to source new content and help develop new shows and programs to just keep Faith FM fresh and, and inspiring and positively different. That's wonderful. And you're a producer also, are you? Yeah, I've got a couple of shows. I, I sort of float around um, between different programs. And yeah, my, the main show that I, I like doing is called The Faith Experiment. But I'm on a lot of different other live shows as mm-hmm. well. So. Conversations, I hear you yes. on those, that one. Which others? Uh, conversations is one. I'm on Aussie Pastor quite often with okay. uh, with Lloyd and, yes. and the Aussie Pastor and, and Hunty. And uh, the breakfast show from time to time, mm-hmm. go on to that one, yeah. But on conversation, I hear you quite regularly. And of course, uh, the Faith F- Experiment, it's one of your sh- shows which features pretty much uh, your story, your um, experience with uh, Yeah, that's, with, that's, with that's, God. that's where this started. It started with um, sharing my journey from mm-hmm. non-believer to faith experiment, as I, as I call it. But uh, the premise of the show is basically to, to look at faith and how to experiment with it, how to experience it, and to see whether what it claims it can do actually stacks up. You know, there's a lot of claims in the biblical text that if uh, – if you believe this certain way or if you um, invite this certain principle into your life, then there'll be some effects for those causes. And uh, the show is about putting that into practice. Wonderful. We love that show. And I know uh, many listeners who uh, at least pointed out to me, you know, uh, what a beautiful uh, yeah, program and uh, yeah, very good content. Now, Robbie, you are in town here for a particular reason. Uh, we are excited <laughs> to um, do something special 
And uh, we are putting together a dinner Yes With the Drive Time team and Robbie Burgum Yes And that's exciting because uh, my dear friends listening today I'm pretty sure some of you, you already booked Because we have a good number of people who are coming for uh, the dinner uh, We have around 150 people all together Yeah, so t- tomorrow night, I think it's tomorrow, right? Tomorrow night, sure yeah Tomorrow night, um, we are doing a, a community event, we're calling it And we're inviting people from all over Adelaide to uh, come out and meet the Drive Time team, and uh, I'll be there as well. And we'll basically the format is we're going to have um, some quizzes, some mm-hmm. gifts, uh, some interviews, some Q&A, and there will also be a bonus presentation that I've been asked to do, and I'll be talking about digital currencies, prophecy, and cashless societies. Wow. One of the most requested topics I get on the faith experiment and uh, that'll all be over the context of having a meal. It'll be a great time. Be good to meet some of our listeners here in Adelaide. And um, yeah, so if, and you, if you if you want to come, you can still come. It's not too late. Yes, we we are pretty much full at this stage. Maybe we have few seats. Uh, if you like to to come, if you hear this uh, broadcast right now, actually, what we may do, if you send us a text message to zero four triple eight eight zero eight double one, and if you like to come. Uh, for the dinner tomorrow at 6 p.m., please send us a text message with your name and uh, just uh, mention their dinner and we'll see what we can do. I'm pretty sure we can um, put a few more people there. You know, uh, and this I is have a bonus. No idea. This is this all is on a, you. Nick. This is a bonus for uh, our <laughs> listeners. You know, just the last uh, moment. You know, ad hoc invitation, yes. a special <laughs> but, deal. But we are going to do this a bit more often, maybe next year, and you know, put a couple of. Um, um, you know, those dinners because we want to meet our listeners, you know, and to have a, a nice uh, meal together and uh, chat yes. around uh, Looking forward to a it. few things. We've been doing these actually all over Australia this year. Mm. Um, this is the first one in South Australia. But, uh, yeah, it's been a fantastic experience. Everywhere I've been involved with these, it's just been really exciting to hear how Faith of M has been impacting our mm. listeners' lives. And they, they come out, they share their stories, they all want to take selfies and pictures and things yeah. and yeah they're, they're really exciting events and you get to meet other faith of listeners as well yeah wonderful now also you are uh, speaking tomorrow morning uh, in a church in Adelaide it's Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church if you like to see uh, Robbie there or hear to his message why not to make your way if you are in Adelaide um, Brighton Church Seventh-day Adventist Brighton Church I think it's on Emilia Street uh I have no idea. Hove. I have to Google it tomorrow. Yes, Emilia Street, number 10. But if you Google uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church Brighton in Adelaide, you'll find that one. And uh, why not to come and say hello to to Roby um, there if you cannot make it for the dinner also? Did you say number 10? I just Googled it. It's 10 yes. Amelia Street. 10 right? Amelia Street, yes. yes. What's the suburb there? Does it? Uh, uh, it says Hove. Hove, yes, that's Hove. the one. That's correct. Oh, you are very fast, uh, Robbie. It's just Google. Wow. <laughs> well, uh, look, I have another um, gentleman uh, uh, online uh, waiting for us, and I don't want to keep him too long. There uh, is good to say hello to David De Lima from Family Voice Australia. David, are you hearing us? Yes, indeed, Nick. Good to be with you. Well, it's good to have you with us, uh, David. I know that you need to leave um, uh, earlier today. You are not able to stay with us for the rest of the show. I'd like to take you in uh, first. Um, hopefully, I mean, you may heard about uh, my discussion with Robbie here. We are excited to have that dinner um, uh, tomorrow with Faith FM uh, drive time. And uh, but yeah, hey, under this uh, um, 
you know, um, segment, World Watch. I would like you, David, to just take us through some things happening right now. Yeah. Well, the issue of drugs is current in the news, unfortunately, for two reasons, both domestically and internationally. So here in the ACT, that's the Australian Capital Territory, the government there, this is not the federal government, but it's the little territory government, mm-hmm. they, in, in their wisdom, have decided to decriminalise small amounts of the hardest drugs that are out there. So we're talking about ice and heroin and uh, uh, other very hard drugs. If you have a small amount, uh, you will only have to pay an expiation fee of $100. Now, the the leader of the opposition has rightly said this is going to make Canberra the drug capital of Australia. So it's a most disturbing development. And, of course, in California, the the legislature there is uh, set to pass what are being called uh, cannabis cafes, And that means that, uh, as is the case in Holland and other parts of the world, you'll be able to have a cup of coffee and have some marijuana mm. or cannabis uh, to go with it. So uh, I don't know what is going on with our lawmakers. The, the scriptures are very clear that God has raised up the authorities to commend what is right and to punish what is wrong. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, they're getting those two mixed up. They're commending <laughs> what is wrong and punishing what is right. So uh, most disturbing. Now, the situation in Australia, of course, is that the territories, we've got the Australian Capital Territory, uh, where Canberra is the city, and we've got the Northern Territory. Mm-hmm. Both of those territories, they are, in fact, supervised by the federal government. This is not uh, the federal parliament. This is not uh, often known, but the territories are creations of the Commonwealth, and it has uh, a moral and legal opportunity and responsibility to ensure that the laws that are passed in the territories are ones which are, uh, are going to be good for the people of the territories. Uh, neither of the territories have an upper house, of course, so there's that uh, lack of uh, check and balance that you uh, quite often get in uh, in all of the other states except for Queensland, which mm. has no upper house. So uh, our hope is that the federal parliament will see wisdom on this and will overturn the Australian Capital Territory law which is going to make otherwise the uh, city of Canberra the drug capital of Australia. And David, um, you know, when you see things uh, being uh, legislated like that and become so easy to uh, access and so on and so forth, that's uh, an uh, alarm bell also for the church too, because, uh, you know, I've seen myself how uh, things from the world just easily creeping in the churches. You know, mm. we are talking today mm. about uh, how to choose a mm. church or uh, does it matter how we believe things and so on and so forth. Uh, yes, as a citizen, I think we are um, not only concerned about the, um, you know, at large, but mm-hmm. even from a Christian point of view, I think we should have a stand, particularly as you pointed out that the, the Bible is clearly uh, talking about uh, how to use substances or, or how, what not to use and what's the effect of those ones. Yes. Mm-hmm. And of course, the scriptures not only say that government has a responsibility, but that we Christian people have a responsibility as salt and light. Mm-hmm. And throughout scripture, both Old and New Testament, you see that God has raised up individuals from within the community of faith to provide leadership in pagan contexts. So we think of Daniel, Esther, Joseph, and in the New Testament, uh, we think of the um, 
the wonderful greeting given by Paul, it's in Romans 16, uh, the greeting to Erastus, the city director of public works. So there's a believer in a high place. There are a number of those in the New Testament just tucked away in little footnotes almost at the end of chapters in the greetings, mm. for example. But we, we need to recognize that both in Old and New Testament contexts, God yes. is interested in, in providing wisdom to government. So my prayer is that we will not only pray about this issue, but that more Christians will step up and become active in the political arena and uh, reclaim it for Christ. Yeah, and as we often, uh, David, we mentioned this, that we want to pray, you know, for these issues, and in particular for the uh, legislative body, you know, of uh, Australia to consider these things. Uh, we talked a lot about this, how uh, prayer is pushed out and mm-hmm. other things uh, creep in easily um, yeah that's a concern uh, Robbie any any thoughts on uh, on this one yeah David it's it's interesting because like as you said it's this, these sorts of laws have been in place for a while in places like Amsterdam um, and obviously the US has been pushing for this sort of stuff in various states for a while why do you think it's happening now and it like it didn't happen say you know 10 years ago or even five years ago why do you think there's a, a shift in Western society now to start pushing the whole decriminalization of these, what we used to call illicit drugs? Yes, I think we have to correlate it with with the collapse of the faith. Uh, People are turning away from Christ, uh, who himself said that in the last days, the hearts of many will grow cold. So this has all been prophesied. Um, Now, we shouldn't just roll along and say, well, that's the way it's got to be. We should should be active as salt and light, uh, as salty as possible, and as bright rightly shining the light of Christ as possible, but I, I think that that is the main problem, the main driver for the, the gradual collapse of the family and Western society is the loss of faith in Christ. Because mm. it does seem like in every um, front there's in Western society at the moment there's been a, a push or almost a, a, I don't know if it's a push or a pull, but maybe a bit of both, away from all of the sort of core values that we've held in Western society for hundreds of years. Yes, that's exactly right. So, and it's happening under our watch. Mm. So we, we need to examine conscience in this matter and be very, very urgent in our prayers and very urgent and active as salt and light. And David uh, and, and Robbie, as um, uh, we see these days, uh, under these conditions, you know, people are under different substances, you know, and no wonder you see so much on the news. Uh, I, I was horrified myself just to last night to watch a bit of news and hear that uh, uh, quite few in, in Victoria, for example, in the in in, in a week or so, three shooting, uh, you know, uh, there and other things is just over the board. David, in your role, um, what do you, what do you see as being the the best approach? That it's like someone's listening to this, what we're talking about now, and they're going, you know what, I want to make a difference. What would be the best approach to, to make a difference? Well, uh, we need more good people active in the political arena, and that means joining political parties. The political parties really control everything. They decide whose name goes on the ballot paper and what are the policies of the parties. And yet there are so few people in the parties. It's It's incredible. Uh, in here in South Australia, there'd be well under 10,000 members of all the political parties combined. You think of the number of Christians who are in church every weekend. And uh, we, we we have, just through sheer uh, force of numbers, the, the capacity to make a huge difference 
if we'd simply bothered to turn up. But <laughs> I mm. say the world is run by those world is run by those who turn up. So we need more Christians turning up. I think. Yeah, it's a very interesting perspective because I guess in Australia we kind of got this attitude of like, ah, uh, you know, sort of <laughs> she'll be right. We'll sit back and let someone else deal with the with all the mm. uh, the bits and pieces and politics. But what you're saying is it's, it's actually quite a, a missed opportunity on behalf of the church to uh, yes hu- to make a yes, difference hugely and hugely so. Yeah, sorry, if, if go we, on, David. If, yes, if we abdicate the field, then someone else will take it over. It's, it's just simple. Which exactly seems to be what's happening, doesn't it? <laughs> Mm. Yes, yes, indeed. I mean, even though we are uh, talking about, um, you know, separation in, uh, you know, church and state and all those things, but I believe when you look at uh, these sort of issues, maybe it's nothing wrong, you know, to have people to represent the values of um, Christianity or church. Uh, even in the political arena. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not very good with politics. Uh, I'm not going to say <laughs> too much on this, but uh, I know that, you know, in the Bible, you have people like uh, Daniel or like uh, Joseph mm. or others. Yeah, indeed. I don't think we're dealing with religious yes. religious issues, though. I think we're dealing with, like, just the core basics of family and health and um, but yeah so we're not really like we're not the church isn't trying to compel the state to the dictates of religious observances and things like that so i think i think there's some scope for this but but some people that's why they don't want to get involved because they say that we are christians we're in the church we don't want to have anything Anything to do with the yeah yeah Yeah. the politics Mm. well that's all great and well until the state starts uh, making making decisions without you Mm. that uh, impact your society in which you live too yeah so that's, yes. that's right. Have to find a balance there it's, somewhere. All right. It's well, certainly a fa- yes, certainly go. a fascinating question. We'll we'll explore this uh, in in fuller depth, uh, perhaps at a later time. But I know you need to uh, continue on with your program. So I'll yes, I'll say good night to you, gentlemen, and to all of our listeners. Until next time. Thanks, and, David. And David, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, God bless thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was David Lima from uh, Family Voice uh, Australia. Very happy to have him uh, with us uh, every Friday when that's possible. Now, I have a little thing here. I'll be covering my screen, which I cannot move something else. Why is this? I have no idea. On. I'm trying to <laughs> see. I hope if I will click OK, and if that will shut us down, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, all right. I did okay on those. Not good. I cancel it. Not now. And <laughs> here we go. We just put a plug now and we'll it's be. It's the beauty of live radio. <laughs> we'll be back in <laughs> a moment. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. And we are very thankful to Adventist World Radio also for their support. Um, uh, helping this ministry to go uh, on all around Australia and not only because uh, we are uh, yeah we have listeners uh, around the world too that yeah, to fight the them that's yeah. right and we broadcasting in the, in the Pacific Islands also mm. and I think uh, even in uh, Papua New Guinea and other places and wherever yeah. they go wherever they have the internet yeah find us. yeah but yeah. we have even some station I think even in uh, in uh, New Zealand one. Yes, we have one in New Zealand. There's yeah. one location in yeah. the North Island that's uh, broadcasting as a as an affiliate of Faith FM, which is yes. absolutely remarkable. So, if you're listening from New Zealand, um, I'm not sure how to say it again. Is it Koyo Koyo? I I which are the greeting? I should know because I've got some Maori um, on my on my dad's side. So, all right. Well, hey, we say hello to everybody uh, wherever you're listening from. We have Kiora, messages. Kiora, that's it. Kiora, Kiora. Well, <laughs> well, you know, we had that the week. We had listeners uh, saying hello uh, from uh, Africa. 
Yes. You know, they're listening there in Africa and other places. Hey, Nick, uh, we should probably tell our listeners that we have a giveaway on this episode. It is a fantastic episode. You're going to get a code word at the end of the show, so stick around. But the giveaway today is a book called End Time People, and it's basically a handbook on how to live in the last days. And as our previous interview just had with David from uh, uh, Family Voice Australia, we are clearly living in some interesting times. Mm. And so our listeners, we actually really need to get this book to you. It's called End Time People. We're going to give it to give it away at the end of this episode. So stick around for a code we're going to give you. But in the meantime, make sure you save the drive time number into your phone. The number is 04 That's 04 80811. Stick around at the end of the episode. We'll give you the code word to text in to claim your free copy of End Time People. And don't forget that you can use the same number to send us a text message with a question or a, a thought. Maybe even uh, if you like to join us on the dinner uh, yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, text, text us in. Let us know where you're listening from. Exactly. Tell us if it's your birthday. <laughs> we'll give you a shout out. <laughs> all good, th- all those good things. But hey, uh, Robbie, we, time is going fast now and we want to just uh, continue a little bit on the theme which we had for um, this week. Uh, is, is it all religions essentially the same? That was the, um, the theme. And we ask a few questions here. Does it, um, uh, does what I believe matter? That was one of the questions. Are all religions essentially the same? How should I re- regard the ecumenical movement? Or just the other day, uh, there was a question uh, asked, shouldn't Christians be more tolerant? Mm. I mean, uh, if we are Christians and not tolerant, probably there is a bit of a problem there. You know, I mean, uh, tolerance, it's, uh, it's important. But at the same time, you know, we, when you look at the other questions, you know, talking about ecumenical movement, uh, um, you know, all religions are all religion uh, essentially the same, and you know, yeah, you you can ask some uh, some questions there. Yeah, there's some pretty big uh, questions. I guess that's mm. why you call the show Big Q and A, right? Mm. But these are some big questions. Like, does it matter what I believe? Well, I think absolutely, fundamentally, it matters what we believe. And I'm I I didn't listen to the episode on Monday, but uh, if you've missed it, you can get it on the Faith FM app or on the website. And then uh, on Tuesday, looking at uh, all religions essentially the same. Yeah, that, that's a question that I had when I started on my faith journey from uh, a non-believer background. And what I found was remarkable is that there are a lot of similarities, mm. but some of the differences are much bigger than the similarities. And that's a whole other topic there. I guess if you've missed Tuesday, you can get it on the app. And then ecumenical movement. That's a word that a lot of people probably don't know what that means just by saying it. Ecumenical. Um, basically, the idea is: should all Christian flavors and denominations all get together mm. and basically, you know, form an alliance or an allegiance and all be on the same page? Because there is a lot of uh, differences amongst like the flavors of Christianity. Even though at the core, everyone believes in Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit and so on, there are differences. And so the question is: should we? How should we view this idea of all Christians getting together? Um, despite the differences, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? That's and and uh, unity—it's under this uh, dictum. Sometimes unity in diversity—you know, it doesn't matter th- that you believed in this way or that other way. But uh, we need to be united. And I wonder uh, for what? <laughs> you know, united for what? United because, for what? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, unity in Christ uh, will bring you to one direction. You know, I mean, 
uh, what I'm trying to say in this, the Bible says uh, one uh, Lord. One truth, one, one truth, one, you know, one yeah. uh, flock, yes. uh, you know, uh, all those things. I mean, there is not, div- you know, it's not 35,000 uh, different denominations as they are yeah. uh, right now in Christendom. In, in, uh, like Jesus in, well, th- Paul through the apostle, uh, through the epistle of Ephesians, the whole theme there is about Christian unity. And the central point of unity in the book of Ephesians is unity in truth. Mm-hmm. And so you can have diversity of personality and diversity of, to some extent, even ideas or mm. opinions or mm. application. But the truth is the thing that's meant to unite Christianity. And sometimes the basis of some of these ecumenical movements, it's not based on the truth uniting. It's based on something else. And, and could very rightly said, uh, Robbie, because, uh, I come myself from an Orthodox background, you know, and I know that, uh, and, I heard about traditional, uh, you know, big churches, you know, they will say even tradition stands even above the Bible because right. uh, uh, we base our uh, faith on, you know, uh, our forefathers and yeah. all those things, you know. But in the end, I said on another program, which I uh, produce uh, on this um, station, I said that, uh, you know, the truth stands. And I quoted um, one of you know, the sayings of uh, the great man, uh, Martin Luther, you know, mm, mm. which he was called to recant for what he discovered, you know, about the truth. Right. Uh, just to be still part of that uh, church and say, I can't. Yeah. Here I stand, you know. I, I mean, can I, do none else. I can do none yeah. else, you know. Because, why? Because he was standing for the truth. Now, interesting enough that in his lifetime, he was not able to discover everything what was about the truth after particularly after a long period of dark ages you know when uh, it was not easy to to come back to the well, like they say truth, the truth is truth is often progressive for most people mm. like the discovery of truth doesn't all come at once it's a on, it's an ongoing journey like we don't learn everything in one sitting we learn it over a, a period of time mm. and that's true too for the followers of Jesus but the, i think the important thing also to add to this conversation is that like none of this is about the idea of trying to keep segregation and trying to say us and them and those sorts of things within the Christian community at least. It's it's not about that. It's about um, uniting on the person of Jesus who is the body of truth. And as Jesus said, those who hear my voice, they will follow me and there will be one flock mm. with one shepherd. Mm. And so it's about uniting in Christ, yes, but based on his voice leading us, which is the source of truth. Yes, indeed, indeed. And also the other question, you know, I mean, in term, for tolerance, you know, in terms of how can we be more uh, tolerant? Um, actually, I came across uh, many groups and people in the church who, um, who are not that tolerant, mm. you know, particularly when different views See, coming uh, in the picture. I might be a devil's advocate on this one because... I, I hear this one a lot. Christians should be more tolerant. Like, I didn't hear the episode. Again, i got to go listen on the app and catch up on it. But I often wonder where that comes from. Like, why is there an assumption that Christians have to be tolerant? Like, it's true that Christians need to be loving. Absolutely. Jesus says, but this is how all men will know that you're my followers, that you love one another. But tolerance is a is a it's, it's a can of worms, right? You get into a mm, big discussion mm. here. But the way this expression is used, Christians need to be more tolerant, is almost like it's a crutch where there's an implication that Christians need to be pushed over, 
And if, if a Christian stands for anything, then therefore they're not being tolerant. Mm. And I think that's a misconception. I think it's a straw man argument from a Christian perspective. Christians ought to be loving. They ought to be, um, uh, what's the word? Long-suffering. Long-suffering and patient. Mm. And yeah, so the, the point I was trying to make is, is that I think sometimes the idea that Christians need to be tolerant means that we need to be um, pushovers and if we don't if we don't agree with somebody then therefore somehow we're not tolerant and I think that's a misconception like Jesus was he was loving but he was also very much standing up for principle like think about when he walks into the temple mm. he wasn't tolerant to their misuse of the temple now you could argue he wasn't loving I think mm. he was because if he wasn't loving he could have just wiped them off the face of the earth right yes. so he he displays love but he also he doesn't display tolerance for things that were wrong and I think the whole, the whole it's, a, it's a fallacy to say oh Christians need to be tolerant of everything I think we need to there needs to be something we stand for. But anyway, that's a whole other topic. No, look, I mean, no, very good, very good point, uh, Robbie, because, uh, you're right, actually, even the push from outside is that, uh, whatever I do to you, you need to tolerate. I need to accept it. I need yeah, to, I need you need to, to tolerate uh, my behavior. Yeah. And I think that creates a really unhealthy environment where it's like one side of the equation has to accept whatever I do and never say anything against it. Otherwise, you're not being tolerant. Mm. But what about the other side? What about the other side? Why, why is it, you know, it's a one way street? Why is tolerance only a one-way street? Mm, yeah, good point. Anyway, hey, if you disagree with me, text in and tell me. Of course. <laughs> that's, uh, again, while you mentioned that, uh, our number is 04888808811. Our question for today, uh, Roby, is more like, um, how do I choose a church then? Because, you know, we talk about uh, all the, those differences, you know, uh, does does it matter what I believe or uh, it's a... It's essential to be all the same or should we be all united under this ecumenical movement and so on and so forth. But how do I choose a church? I wonder um, if you could just probably give us a little bit of an introduction here. How important it is to belong to a church? Look, I think, his, uh, let me say this before I answer your question directly. I think the question that, or the title for today's episode, how do I choose a church? I think that even that question can be um, a loaded question because it implies that there are choices that you should be able to go to like the salad bar and pick your favorite salad. Mm. So let's, let's uh, keep in mind that I think the idea of church is the community of Christ, right? It's not about flavors of, of styles or, or uh, ideologies or teachings or practices. So, but back to your question, how important um, is it to belong to a church? Well, I think if you look at some of the texts in Scripture, like we've quoted a couple of them already, but look, let's look at the one. There's a text in Acts chapter 2, verse 47. It says, the Lord added daily to the church those mm. who were being saved. Mm. So clearly, after this is after Jesus has left, right? He's ascended in, in chapter 1. This is now in chapter 2. And the Bible says that that those who receive the gospel, the good news of Jesus being Messiah, those who receive that message, they were added to the church, not mm. a church, not one of the many, just the church. It was a body of mm-hmm. Christ, believers, mm-hmm. right? So clearly it was important to belong to the church, right? Um, another one here is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. It says, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. There it is again, right? Mm. And that body is is symbolic of Christ. We're baptized into His body, um, the same way that we, like these these people back in chapter two, they were added 
daily. Um, in Hebrews chapter 10, it tells us, uh, consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. And again, that's the idea of coming together in community and, and fellowship and encouragement and exhorting and working together. And so your initial question is how, is how important is it? Well, it's essential. You can't, you can't really be a follower of Jesus without being in the body of Christ. Mm. It's, it's one and the same thing. Because the big picture of scripture is in terms of salvation and church and all that business is that we're painted a picture that there are two families. There's in, in first John chapter three, we're described as there's the family of God. And whether you like it or not, there's mm. the family of the devil. Mm. These are the two families. And then John says that both of these families have children. So they both have fathers. The father is God. The father is devil. And they both have children. So there's children of God and children of the devil. And then he goes on to list the differences or how you know which family you're in. And they come down to two characteristics the way John summarized it. He said, those who uh, love their brother... And those who do righteousness are the children of God. Mm-hmm. And those who hate their brother and those who practice unrighteousness are the children of the devil. So we have these two. There's only two options. Mm. And so when we're talking about church, that whole concept of coming into the body of Christ is coming into the family of God. It's going from family of devil to the family of God. So it is absolutely a part of the equation of salvation. Now, that doesn't mean you're saved by being in a church. Mm. You're saved because of Jesus. Mm. But when you've had that experience, you're in the family with God, in the family with Jesus, and so you fellowship with those who are in the same family. And that's what we call, you know, I mean, air-quoting it now, but air-quoting church. Yeah, that's uh, very, very well um, said, uh, Roby, because when we ask this question, how do I choose a church, you know, sometimes people just come to this uh, sort of... Uh, aspects say okay this is the church of my parents or yes. my uh, you know family ancestors you know or some may even say oh this is the church just in my neighborhood it's it's convenient it's convenient you know it's got good parking <laughs> exactly or there are a few things like that with how people choose churches when i lived in the united states a lady came to me she said i i, w- I would like to come and start coming to your congregation but um I, I like the congregation I've been going to for the last 15 years. I said, oh, I'm just curious, like, what's stopping you? And she says, they've got really, they've got a really good pipe organ. And so, for her, the thing that kept yeah. her at that church was the pipe organ. Now, this has gone back a few years. I'm not sure how popular pipe organs are in churches these days. But, yeah, you're right. People have all kinds of reasons why they pick one of the flavors of the church's that exists in Western society today. Now, if truth is in the ch- in that church where you are, uh, you like to be in, that's fine. If it's sure. in your neighborhood or if it's <laughs> just the, your uh, parents' church and so on and so forth. I think when you choose, we need to choose right, to choose the truth and not to choose any other um, aspects. Hey, look, uh, we are going to take a short break here, uh, Robbie, and we'll come back to just uh, talk a little bit more if we can, uh, um, then how to, how we should choose maybe a church or if there are any um, advice there. But right now, we have a song um, uh, lined up for you here. And uh, we'll take this break and please stay with us. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back shortly just after the song.
the altar, come to the altar Wear your best clothes, we'll put on a show Just get comfortable, this space is all yours It's all about you Come to the Savior, God our Creator Come, let us praise Him for maybe an hour Then when we're done, we'll pack Him all up Send Him back to His corner Sing about Jesus, sing of His love Sing of the life that He gave up for us But heaven forbid that God would have the nerve to ask you to give up your own What you say, you believe Let him write it on your heart Let him carve it on each part of who you are Cause how can we follow Christ only when it's convenient? A God who we don't even know Open his word for a moment or so Take what you like and leave what you don't Tell me how Tell me how What you say you believe Would you write it with your blood? The God we say we love, oh, he's worth it all. He is worth it all. Would you stand here and sing? Let him write it on your heart. He is worth Let it him call it on each part.
Welcome back. This is Fate FM Drive Time BQ&A with Nick Rita and our co-host today. It's uh, Robbie Burgum. And we are talking about how do I choose a church? It's a pretty just, big topic, Nick. Uh, it is, Robbie. And just we don't be- have enough time. We need another hour. Exactly. We may <laughs> need to do another program. But uh, hey, we talked uh, just before the break a little bit uh, about this. How do we choose a church? You know, and uh, you explain, Robbie, that... Um, uh, it's very important to find the truth. Right. And the, the truth will set you free, you know, and you'll be in the <laughs> church you want to be. But hey, uh, just before we continue, uh, uh, Robbie, we really want to, um, to get this book into the hands of our uh, listeners. It's a wonderful book, End Time People. Yes. Now, a few of the, you know, just some of the synopsis here, there, um, and it says that at the end of all things, it's at hand. You can read this in uh, First Peter, you know, that it's it's talking about that in uh, chapter four, uh, the end of all things. Then what is our plan of action? Mm. What preparations must we make? What must we do? Wait, Peter goes on to say, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? So it's about. The person, not about the things. Yes. Mm. And I think that's very important. My dear friend listening today, why not to uh, grab this uh, book? You just need to send us a text message with a code which will give you just in a moment. Uh, Robbie said we'll give it to the end of the show, but we are a bit more, uh, you know, um, indulgent <laughs> and we'll give it uh, to you very soon. Uh, the why number- don't we do it now? We'll do it now. Let's do it now, right. Robbie, because I mean, I'm, I'm, feel, I'm, I'm feeling generous. I'm, I'm feeling a little <laughs> bit uh, nervous having the boss with, uh, saying that we'll do at the end of the show. But hey, the number is zero four triple eight eight zero eight double one, and the code is SA one three five. SA stands for South Australia one three five. Please send us that text message to zero four triple eight eight zero eight double one. And uh, wonderful book and time, people. It's yours. Excellent. I uh, can't wait for a little SMS bot. You know that little bot? Um, it, it's uh, We've got three of them. There's one called Faithful, one's called Hopeful, one's called Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. So when people text in, they get one of those three bots, and the bots ask them for their names and addresses, and then the bot does all the things to make all <laughs> these free offers go out. It's great having free help. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And if he understands, sometimes uh, he struggles, you know. Sometimes, but, especially with P.O. boxes. Yes. If you put a P.O. box in, he struggles with it. Yeah. But hey, uh, don't hesitate, my dear friend, to send us a text message uh, and uh, claim this offer. Robbie, we have just um, maybe 10 minutes left here uh, mm. today. Uh, I wonder if we could um, talk a little bit more about uh, some of the characteristics of a, of a true church. So this is really interesting, right? Before the break, we said that Jesus is the center of the family of God. He's the one that provides the way for us to come into that family of God. And we said a couple of verses before before the break how that it is uh, one shepherd, Jesus being the shepherd, one flock, um, flock representing those who are following Jesus, which is us. And I love this passage from Revelation chapter 14 and verse 4. It says, these, referring to those who are redeemed or those who are saved, right? It says, these are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. Mm. And so that is the picture of biblical church. 
So when we think of church in the West, we think of buildings with crosses and steeples and bells and towers and stuff like that, right? But when you're looking at this biblically, church is following the Lamb wherever the Lamb leads you. And the Lamb here is Jesus. It's mm. the symbol of Jesus. Mm. So when we're talking about, you know, again, in air quotes, which church should I, uh, how do I find a church or which church do I join or that sort of stuff? It's really about this. Where is Jesus walking and how do I follow him? That's the key. Mm. So, like in my journey, I didn't, I didn't grow up doing church. I, I got into the idea of following Jesus in my um, early twenties. And when I went through that exercise of basically what we're having in this conversation today, at the time, and this is back in two thousand and two, there were um, five thousand different Christian denominations in the year two thousand and two. And I was like, well, they can't all be right and they can't all be wrong. Mm. So how do you know which one to follow Jesus in? And so what I did is I went to the Bible and I found that there were at least 10 characteristics of what Jesus's church looks like in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So let me share a couple of them with you real quick. We've got one here in, uh, well, there's a few here. So the first principle is this. The church in the Bible uplifts the constitution of heaven. And the constitution of heaven is really the commandments. It's the way that the the uh, kingdom of heaven operates. And we find these verses like in Matthew chapter 5, verse 18, we see Jesus saying things like, um, "Don't I haven't come to destroy the law, I've come to fulfill the law. And so the church of God lives and breathes the commandments of God. Mm-hmm. Here's an example in Revelation. It says, and this is talking about the end of time, it says, here are those who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So the first characteristic of the church of God in the Bible is that they uphold the constitution of heaven, which is the the commandments of God. The next characteristic I found is that the church of God is in the forefront of teaching that your body is the temple of God. So what you do with your body, like your physical body, needs to be in harmony with the owner's manual who designed and created it. And so there's the, the principle is this, focusing on health. Like mm. the teaching of health. I'll give you an example. Paul says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, he says, Whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, do it all to the glory of God. He's speaking to the church here. So a church, this, this is really simple, a church that uplifts the commandments of God, mm. a church that uplifts the importance of eating and drinking and every practice, that covers every area of life. So it's, it's not just a spiritual mental thing it's also a physical thing that this the church of god is is uplifting so when jesus calls us into his family he calls us into his church he's not just giving us mental and spiritual instruction he's giving us physical Mm. instruction as well number three the church of god in the bible has always existed for the purpose of worldwide mission Right. Always. That's one of the functions. Coming together as a body is to work as a unit to communicate the good news of the gospel to all the world. Here's an example, Revelation 14, verse 6. It says, speaking of the church, it says that they will preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, every tribe, every tongue, and every people. So no matter how good a church might be, if there's only one church and it's in some way back, out back, town Mm. and there's five members and that's the church it hasn't got the characteristic of the biblical model the biblical model takes this message to the whole world so we're expecting to see a global movement of god's um body in the person of jesus not just some you know individual city satellite you know mega church that's not what the gospel is about Mm -hmm. it's not what the church is about here's number four that i found 
the biblical church, and this might be a shock to some people. It wasn't to me. Well, it was. It wasn't a shock to me. I just didn't know any either way, so it wasn't a really a shock. But what I found was is that the church of the Bible is very much focused on worship of God. Mm. And the basis for that worship is found, again, in the book of Revelation, chapter 14, verse 7. It says, the message says, worship him, referring to God. And then it says this. This is what it does. Listen to this. Worship him who created heaven and earth and the sea and the springs of water. Mm. So it connects worship to the creator, not worship to the cross, not worship to um, salvation or ascension or redemption or resurrection. Worship is always connected to creation. And what's fascinating is, is that that expression there comes directly from the Old Testament in the book of Exodus in the fourth commandment. And the fourth commandment tells us the same words. It says, um, worship him who made the heaven and earth and the seas and fountains and waters. But then it tells you how. It says to rest every seventh day. It calls it a Sabbath day. In Hebrew, it's the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And that means literally the rest. Yes. So the church of God has a constitutional day off once a week. And I was like, wow. I mean, I was like 24, 25 at this point. I was like, no way. The constitution of heaven guarantees that I have a day off every single seventh day. And I was like, wow, that's remarkable. When Jesus shows up, guess what he does? His custom was to go and keep the seventh day. The disciples keep the seventh day. Now, there's a misconception out there that somehow the disciples after the resurrection of Jesus changed the the day of worship from the Sabbath day, the seventh day, to the Sunday, right? The problem with, with that is, is that there's not a single shred of evidence for that anywhere in the Scripture, and we have clear historical evidence outside of the Scripture that shows why that why the church tri- tri- um, primarily worships on Sunday, mm. and it has nothing to do with the biblical teachings. So it's it's remarkable to me that this is how the world. In fact, I wrote a book on this. Um, the book's called uh, "The Sabbath Gift: A Faith Experiment." Um, in fact, if any of our listeners want to get it, they can text. Uh, I think it's the word Sabbath. If you text the word Sabbath, I think it's o four triple eight four five three double one. So o four triple eight. Four five three double one. If you text the word Sabbath, you can get that book for free. I'll give it to you to any of the listeners today, right? And in that book, I've got a whole bunch of the history of how it all changed and all that sort of thing. But this is characteristic number four, and running out of time very quickly here. But the Church of the Bible also teaches that when a person dies, they enter into a state of sleep. Mm. They don't go to heaven. They don't go to hell. How do we know this? Because of Jesus. Jesus came along, speaking about his friend Lazarus, who had died, literally died. And he says to his disciples, it's, and this is John chapter 11, verse 13, it says, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking a rest of sleep because mm-hmm. Jesus says Lazarus is asleep. So the church of the Bible has a strong understanding about the mystery of death. There is no mystery. Death is a sleep. It's a rest and that at the end of it, there's a resurrection for everyone. Mm. Jesus says there's two, two, two resurrections for the dead. There's one for the righteous and there's one for the lost. So there's no mystery around that in the church of God. And yet when I travel around our Christian churches as a community and in the West, there is so much misunderstanding on the topic of death. But the Bible is very, very clear. Um, here's number six. I'm just rapid firing these at you, <laughs> Nick. But number six is um, the church of the Bible. It centers its salvation around the sanctuary. It understands that the sanctuary was the textbook for salvation. The Bible says in Psalms, it says, Your way, O Lord, is in 
the sanctuary. When we look at um, Exodus chapter 25, it says that in verse 8, God says, make the sanctuary so that I can dwell among you. Something about the sanctuary shows us how the problem of sin is removed. And when Jesus comes, guess what John calls him? He says, here is the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sin of the world. That's sanctuary. Mm. And so the church of God doesn't do away with the sanctuary. It doesn't worship the sanctuary, but it understands salvation in light of the sanctuary. In fact, when I travel around to various different denominations, the sanctuary is the most most neglected part of the Bible True. by a lot of Christians. And that's not to speak ill of anybody. It's just a, a sad state of the world that we live in. Um, number seven, the church of the Bible teaches that we're adopted into the family of God through baptism by immersion. There's no question in the Bible that baptism is always by full immersion under the water. The idea of sprinkling um, and christening and all these ideas are foreign to the apostles. They're foreign to Jesus. They're foreign to the teachings of Scripture. They all came in many, many centuries later. In fact, there's a great statement by the uh, Catholic bishop called Cardinal Gibbons who writes that the practice of baptism by immersion was held for nearly two centuries after Jesus ascended. Mm. It only changed to sprinkling because, get this, it was more convenient. Now, it is. It's more convenient yes. to get sprinkled than to go under the water. You can water. do it anywhere. You know. But what would you rather do? Follow the lamb wherever he takes you or just do what's convenient? You know, I've been baptized myself uh, the second time because during communist time, you know, you do sometimes baptism under, uh, in secret, you know. Yes. And I was baptized in a tub and I could not uh, get in the tub myself fully, <laughs> you know. I, I was half, half, you know. <laughs> I got rebaptized, but anyway. <laughs> uh, good. We are um, up to eight, I Number think. eight, really quickly. The Bible church teaches that Jesus Christ will return literally. It won't be secret. It won't be a surprise. It'll be public. It'll be literal. It'll be audible. It'll be visible. Uh, number nine, the Bible church teaches that there is salvation only through Jesus, not through a priest, not through a man, not through a woman, not through any other, not through works, only through Jesus, through faith in him alone. And number 10, the church of the Bible was always guided by the role of prophets. And so prophets play an instrumental part in the uh, the leading of the churches. So there's 10 things real quick. We're running out of time. I think I just ran a marathon. How do we go? And that was really good, actually, <laughs> you know, and uh, we may need to listen back to the program to, uh, to process, it. process it a little bit. But uh, hey, indeed, our time is up uh, for today. Thank you so much for um, uh, being with us here, Robbie, taking a bit of time. I know you are a very busy one and I was a bit hesitant to ask you to come with us today, uh, but I thought, uh, why not? Oh, I, I, I always enjoy it. Love yeah. coming to South Australia. Yes, being drive it's great. And my dear friends uh, listening uh, uh, today, we are inviting uh, to join us. Uh, again next time because we are going to talk about uh, the church, the family and morality in a post-biblical world. One of the questions which we'll start with is um, the Bible and gender. What does the Bible say? I believe that will be a very interesting program. That's not a big topic at all, is it? Not at all. <laughs> we are not used to big topics. <laughs> but hey, uh, on uh, Faith FM, Drive Time, Big Q&A, you can find some of these uh, questions. And even better, my dear friend, be part of this program. The number is zero four triple eight eight zero eight double one. You can always send us a text message, a question, a comment, maybe a prayer request, and we'll be very happy to share. Thank you for those people who ask for the book. Once more, I will just mention this quickly. The offer which we have for today, it's a book called End Time People. 
and the code for this book is SA135. The number where you can send uh, your text message is 04-888-808-11. May God richly bless you, my dear friends, and looking forward to uh, see some of you uh, for the dinner tomorrow. And um, uh, any thoughts you have uh, 30 seconds, uh, Robbie, if you like to say uh, something to our listeners. Look, I think I think the takeaway for today's topic is really, really just this. It's follow the lamb wherever he goes. And the, the thing Jesus makes the point, he says, those who hear my voice, they will uh, know my voice and they will follow me. There'll be one fold. And so I don't, in my journey, it wasn't about um, pointing fingers at this. This people are no good. Those people are no good. These people are better. These are worse. It's not about that. It's about where is the teaching of Jesus and where is he leading you to? And do your own research. Uh, I, I spent probably about six, seven months uh, in my early 20s every night going through the Bible in a concordance, a Strong's concordance, looking up the text. What does the church of the Bible look like? And then I compared that to the landscape in which we have today. And Wonderful. That's, that's what led me. And we hope that we'll have all those characteristics in, in the same church. May God bless you all. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.